we go. How's it going? Great, man. Great. Thanks for having me on your uh, show, on your podcast. Thank you for the invitation. My pleasure. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. How was your holiday? Oh, great. Great. Yeah. Happy late Thanksgiving. Canadian Thanksgiving. Yes. Did you guys celebrate it down there? We do. We absolutely do. Yeah. Yeah. Why not have just another big meal every year? (laughs) Can't complain, can you? (laughs) No, not at all. And you guys had your family vacay. You made time for that. That was great. Yeah, yeah, that was a really cool sort of post-summer touring yeah. uh, decompression, and uh, it was awesome. That's amazing. Are you So this is your studio that you're in, Jason? Yeah, this is my home studio. Yeah, nice. Uh, this was a bit of a pandemic project. Uh, I, I took a, uh, my, my rather sterile home office that I use and, and made it feel like a sort of a vibey East Nashville sort of studio. I love it. It's got that rustic vibe to it. Yeah, yeah, just a place, just a little place I can go close the close the doors and and be creative and make it feel like a studio and uh, it's awesome. There's been a lot of a lot of cool music created in here so far. And it's probably um, been interesting because since the pandemic, uh, you probably love being in that area now. It's like ah, this is my my sanctuary of making music and coming up with creative ideas. Yeah, yeah, very much. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So first things first, those guitars in the back, where are those from? Okay, so yeah, so let me just pan around over here oh, and wow. show what I got. Um, so there's a there's a, a red uh, orange red Telecaster back there, and that was the first guitar that I bought when I moved to uh, actually even before I moved to Nashville. Uh, I I went into okay. Guitar Center and it was hanging up on the wall. I put a sort of a, a mint green vintage pickup pickguard on it. Um, it had it came with a pearl pickguard that I wasn't really big on, on so a little too fancy so I, i'm that's been my main workhorse guitar uh i think for the bulk of my career um the uh, there's a, a 335 uh, gibson sunburst guitar back there a tobacco burst and uh that's that was a be- that's a beautiful guitar gibson um i gotta thank my my friend tina simkin she was a head of gibson canada uh, back in the day and she gave me it was three guitars she gave me which was a 335 uh, a les paul um, standard, the black Les Paul back there. And that 335 was actually on the cover of SoCan uh, Words and Music. Um, I used that for that photo shoot and mm-hmm. many videos and live and everything. Uh, there's a there's a, a Butterscotch Telecaster back there. There was actually, a guy had reached out to me on, um, you know, a social media years, about a decade ago and just offered to build me a guitar. And uh, sadly, I don't, I don't think he's actually in business anymore, but he did a beautiful job on that on that telly, and uh, it, it needs a setup. But but those are the, sort of the main guitars, and I've got, I've got an acoustic over here. I'll pan my camera over here. Oh yes, yeah. And there, right there, is my uh, trusty J two hundred that's been in a lot of videos, and I've basically wrote the bulk of my career on that guitar. And there's a Washburn Washburn, if you can see it right there. That um, that was the, my first acoustic I ever bought. Um, so there, that's uh, that's pretty much the arsenal. Of I love it. I love it. And for yourself, when you're in your space, what are you thinking of exactly to get in the zone? You know, to tune out the outside world and just go within yourself. Oh gosh. Well, sometimes you know it's been fun learning. Um, I, I use this program Logic Pro X, and uh, I'm really real basic stuff. But I'll get a, you know, um, some uh, some beats going. I might use Splice. Uh, 
which is pretty cool just for some inspiration and uh, just get a beat going. And, and uh, I mean, I do more co-writing than solo writing, um, but I have in, in the re- recent years of sort of being forced to done some solo co-writing uh, or solo writing um, on my, especially on this album, Diamonds in the Desert, um, my most recent project. Um, I wrote about half of it by myself. Um, and it's, uh, I mean, we were just sort of hunkered down and locked down. Co-writing was harder. I did a few Zoom writes, but um, I ended up, uh, it was a really kind of a, an interesting record because I had a vision in mind that um, it was hard to like share with people what it, what it was. And I, I, I thought I knew, but it was a, a moving thing. So I didn't really, I actually didn't want to bore my, drag my co-writers into something that I didn't really have a full vision of yet. Like some of this stuff was really, I mean, it was, that's where the title came from diamonds in the desert. It was like walking out into the unknown, searching for some gems out there, but you don't really know until you go searching for it. And so it was sort of, it had to be at least 50% of just a solo effort. Oh yeah. But you know what? It's a, it's a beautiful process looking back hindsight, of course, in that moment, that creative block, it can be very frustrating, can't it? Yeah. Yeah, it, it can. Um, it can be, you know, scary as, as it might seem as, as walking out into the desert, you know, you just, you don't know if you're going to come up empty handed and, but you just, the whole point is you got to sort of do the work and walk out in faith um, looking for, you know, something. And, and it's really a cool thing. It's really, it's so mystical, like where songs come from, whether it's just you're, you're jamming to a beat and then you start getting pictures in your mind of what it might be or what it could be, or you just picking up a guitar and just start, right. you know, seeing the pictures. That's really how it works for me. It's your imagination. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Growing up in Pembroke, Ontario, shout out. (laughs) Shout out to Pembroke. (laughs) Growing up there, were you always this guy that knew that you wanted to be a singer and an artist out there? Did you have that imagination as a kid? Really, from a really early age. uh, I didn't know that, I, you know, until, you know, later in my high school years that I really, really wanted to do this you know, for my, you know, for my life path, you know, really, but really early on, um, music was always a part of my upbringing. My dad played in a local band, still does, um, a different band than, than he, he played in when I grew up. That band is sort of uh, disbanded. I mean, you know, guys just got a little older, but um, it was really cool. They, they played like they didn't play bars. They played like dance halls, like weddings and anniversaries. Mm-hmm community dances and stuff. So as a kid, if it would have been bars, I wouldn't have been able to go. But often my mom would bring me when I was just a little kid and I got to watch at least for half the night and then she'd, you know, bring me home or whatever. But so as a kid, I've got all these, you know, early, early memories of watching my dad on stage with this band and just loved it. Just absolutely loved it. And they played like really cool stuff too. Cause it was, I'm an eighties kid, <laughs> born in 1980. So we're talking like late, you know, mid to late eighties, early nineties. So they, they played like pop music of the day. So it would have been Phil Collins and Rod Stewart. Um, they would have played some CB wonder, some Alabama, some like all Eagles all over the like map, you know, really cool stuff. And then, uh, and then on the other side, my uncles had a band and they played, uh, you know, everything from, you know, footloose, you know, to a lot of some country stuff as well. So I got a lot of it. And then, 
high school, you know, I would, you know, sort of follow around the local country bands and some of them would let me hop up on stage and sing with them and still friends with a lot of those people to this yeah. day. That first big show that you did, I'm sure you'll never forget that moment of getting up there and building the courage, the fear. Does that go away over time or do you still get a little nervous getting on stage? No, it, it, it does go away. <laughs> it okay. does go away. And go away early. I was never particularly nervous or anxious to to get on stage. Um, I mean, I think I, I suppose I, I was as as a teenager. That, but it was usually my concern. Usually, was, and still remains, is is just stuff going wrong with my gear, like stuff going wrong with a guitar yeah. or a microphone cutting out, or, or or you know a guitar. For I play electric guitar, so you know uh, you know all of a sudden ghosts in the guitar pedals, and then you have no guitar and I will literally have, you know, some nightmares about this stuff. Like I literally did during the, the, the sort of the time period that was the pandemic and stuff. I, I would have this recurring nightmare that they're, they're like announcing me on stage at a big country festival and, uh, and all, and I'm, I'm looking down at my pedal board and everything's disconnected. And I'm like, why is this not connected? But, and then I'm like, no, no, I'm not ready yet. And as I wake up, you know, and it was like, you know, I, I, I wondered where that came from. If it was like because we were away from the stage for so long or something like that. Or the fact, the simple fact that I've actually had that happen, at least to where, you know, uh, I'll be, my guitar will just drop out. We'll just cut out. And I, I won't know why, you know, it'll be some like one little patch between pedals or something like that, you know. Right. And do you keep like a spare on the side off stage? <laughs> Um, well, usually there'll be some sort of a, a, a bypass or, or, you know, okay. I've had, I've had my guitar player like run over and, and help me out, you know, but, um, yeah, it's one of those, it's just one of those struggles, I think as, as a guitar player that, every, that I'll, I'll hear about every now and then there'll be, and it doesn't happen all the time, but like just randomly it'll be working fine. All of a sudden something will go. So, um, anyway, that it's never been that it's just always been like an issue with gear or something even all summer this this summer in particular, I didn't use wireless guitar like at all. I, I just was so so fed up with like dealing with wireless things cutting out or whatever that I was like mm -mm, hardwired in old nope. school old school <laughs> yeah yep yeah yep. no, no Bluetooth. No yeah, no, no issues. Just really had a great time uh, this summer playing all, every, every stage that we played on was just uh, so, uh, so wonderful to be back on stage with the in front of the crowds in front of the fans. It was awesome. I was talking to a few people and the fans this time around, you know, for the last couple of years, obviously, we've all been in this pandemic coming out of it, being on stage. People are a little different, aren't they? Like they're there's more love, I feel, even greater than there was before. You know, I think there was. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. There, especially the first couple of shows that we did, there, there was like an emotional intensity uh, that was palatable. You could feel it with the crowd. It was like everybody was just like so thankful to get to do the simple thing, which is you know, gather together and play music and be one with the band and the crowd and. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it just really shows you that, like, we need that. Like, we really do. We need it as musicians and recording artists, and and the and the fans need it too. Um, it's just we love to get together and have a good time, don't we? Oh yes, <laughs> I <laughs> love it. Yeah, and uh, man, it was yeah, it was it, the the emotion, like especially the first show back. 
was at a show called Grimsby, Ontario. It was for like one of their, it was a big, like maybe a centennial or something like that. And it was a party in the streets and it was packed and it was so great. Um, and it was like this emotion snuck up on me. And, and just, uh, I was like, damn, this is, this is, uh, this is heavy. It's hitting me right here, right in the feels, as the kids say. Yes. Well, you know, you could do the Zoom events and all that, but being in person, there's a difference, isn't there? Oh, yeah, yeah. And to, you know, I, I, I like to, you know, we, we get loud on stage and it's like between the roar of the, of the crowd and, and the loudness of the stage. You know, you, you know, it's a good night when you lie down, your ears are ringing just a little bit. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. You know, there's a technology out there now that you can put these VR goggles on and go to experience a concert. Oh, right. It's not the same. No, in the metaverse. But, you know, it's not the same because I think there's an energy exchange from the band to the crowd, like as an audience oh member. Yeah. I mean, who knows, right? Like, yeah. People thought that the internet was going to be a fad in of itself. True that. I, I mean, I don't want to see that the world go there. Like, you know, who wants that? I don't think it will. I mean, everything can be can happen to a certain extent, but ultimately, you know, people like to gather and like to get you know bump up against each other in the crowd yeah. and get hot and sweaty and you know. <laughs> on the side. So I mean, you can't. You just can't get that and anything else but the real thing. Exactly. When you're up there, what is that energy you feel from the crowd most oftentimes? What is it that feeds you you're on stage? Oh, man, it's just uh, it's just usually it's just all positive and just all love. And it's really kind of hard to explain. I think that I think that music is a real human experience. Like it's a real unique and sort of divine um, experience. Like, you know, when. Like music, music and mathematics. Like I'm not a math, I'm not a math wizard, but like it's you know helping my kids with their homework and stuff. And you still get your mind blown that like if you that when you follow the steps to this equation, like it's so cosmic and mm-hmm. you know uh, mind blowing that like if you follow these steps, you will get that answer. It, it's it it just has to work. It's just and and when certain when certain notes and harmonics are played together and the band is all like totally click locked in in sync and you make and you know you got this beautiful cohesive thing coming off the stage and when the crowd when you know you get like hundreds or thousands of people like all together like singing like this combination of of music and and harmony and and the crowd singing back it just creates this sort of you know just this power this energy that it's a bomb um, yeah it's a force it's just this, yeah it's just this force of energy man that's i mean and, and i experienced that on on my level and i experienced it on like you know i'm not I, i'm aware of like my standing in the, in the you know in the hierarchy of the music industry i'm certainly you know i'm certainly i'm somewhere between like a busker and beyonce like i'm like you know so like I've been, I've experienced it on a, on a big stage, like a Boots and Hearts Country Fest out of Toronto with like 20,000 people and, you know, a really big energy like that where everybody's singing along. I've experienced it on small stages. And then I've been a fan, whether I'm attending Garth Brooks or the Eagles, and I'm just there in the stands from on the others, on the receiving end, participating in it, which is equally like different, but differently, but equally as beautiful and, and powerful. Like, that's what got me into music in the beginning, in the first place. Garth Brooks was my first concert. 
and to hear like, and it was in Ottawa and to hear like, you know, whatever there was 18,000 people cohesively singing along to unanswered prayers. And he was just carrying it with his acoustic guitar. I was like, man, I want to know what that feels like. You're, you're seeing this from a fan standpoint or from the audience. Are you looking at certain things that the artist is doing or the band is doing to, to apply it now to what you do? Um, can you can you just lay back and just say, okay, I'm just gonna enjoy the show as a fan? Oh, oh, as a fan. <clears throat> um yeah, I mean I, I well I'm always very intent intentively like looking at the you know, the musicians, looking yes. listening to all the all of the parts and stuff. Like the the Eagles was the last show that I concert that I went to and it was here in Nashville and uh it was a bucket list show for me i was so thrilled i was able to to get a, a last minute ticket um and and i sat up in the nosebleeds it was like literally probably the last ticket i wasn't i was expecting to be actually be at a show and then that show uh ended up getting canceled um due to you know more the lockdowns at the time in ontario so i i found myself in in nashville for the night got the ticket and just to be up there like listening to joe walsh shred the guitar and uh Stuart Smith and Vince Gill and and, and then watching all, all the different parts of the band and just really um think about like how how remarkably well rehearsed and, and, and insanely they are like next level um and then you know these these songs that have carried as a songwriter you know those guys are the ultimate like the ultimate top of the mountain you're talking 50 years. Don Henley said that night that it was 50 years ago when since uh, uh, "Take It Easy" was released to the radio waves. So you, that's a, at least that's at least two or three generations of, of fans. Um, you know, half a half a century you know, of of their music is mind blowing. But the power, and then it's very inspiring. It'll either make you like want to like you know burn all of your songwriting tools or or be inspired yes you know by by your heroes and, and for me uh you know most most of the time some days i just want to burn it all but uh, most of the time it's just pure inspiration because you know on whatever level you can you can achieve i mean nobody's going to get to be the eagles but i mean whatever level you get to achieve if you can have a song that have that's touched people's lives in some way um it's really uh it's really a powerful thing when you look at the people that inspire us, it's you always wonder, you know, what is that aura? What is it about that person that makes it exude this energy towards us? It's a radiancy of light. And like you said, the Eagles or Garth Brooks, what do you think it is that those individuals have? People are drawn to that. It's more than just the music. It's something. You know? And we don't know them, but we love them. That's a really good, that's a really good question. I think it's because we do think we know them. Like, I think that you think that you know them through their, through their music or through interviews that, that you've seen or whatever you, you think you get to know them like a, like a local, like a, like a friend or a local favorite. And, and every, you get all these people together that, that think that they know, you know, Garth Brooks, they're sort of like cheering him on, cheering for him. They just kind of like his personality, but they love the songs too. Um, but I think it's also just something that people love to rally around one thing. Like we just love to gather together and rally around, you know, uh, music. Um, and, and it's almost like, I imagine like 
you know, for, for folks that aren't religious, it's probably as close as they'll get to a re- religious experience or something like that. Like where they just kind of get together with a group of people and just sort of feel like, like you put it, like this love and, and light and mm-hmm. that I don't like, this is probably why I always gravitated to like country music or, or things like that. Like a little more, like up, I was never attracted to darker music, uh, like um, sort of like, you know, I don't know. I'm not going to like name names, right. whatever, but like, <laughs> you know what they are, but like, I do, like yeah. a heavier, sort of angrier, darker thing like that. And never, never, ever appealed to me. Now that's, that's to, not to say that like, that I like everything that's like, sunshine and rainbows and you know butterflies like it's not that it's um because i actually on the contrary gravitate i like a lot of vince skill music and i like melon like i like melancholy i like this i like blues and i like the sad songs uh, mm-hmm. as well but there's um but there's something there's something about uh music that's just kind of lifts people's spirits i think yeah yeah no for sure your one song, it's so funny, Jason, I've been listening to it for years and uh, I keep posting it up. You know, they don't make them like this anymore or that anymore. And uh, yeah, just for years, just been cranking it in the car and it, it moves me. It And I would always share it with everyone. I say, oh, you got to watch this video. It's so heartfelt and touching. Where did that come from, that inspiration? And thank you for that song and video, by the way. Well, thank you, man. Thank you very much, Zach, for, for sharing it uh, on social media and, and for, for bringing it up. Um, the song, I wrote that song at, at a real coming of age, uh, which for me, <laughs> maybe that's a little late to be coming of age, but I was like 30. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but maybe it's normal. Maybe it's natural. Maybe some people get there later, yeah. much lower or get there or, or get there earlier. But for me, it was like a coming of age thing going. Like I was, I had already... Uh, been married for uh, some seven years by then and had, you know, we, my, my second, our second child, our son would have been two years old. Okay. Um, but still like this realization, this like r- resistance to grow up or something. And you finally realize like, Oh wow. Like I'm, I'm a father and I'm a husband and I'm this role now. And then you sort of look to, I was looking, you know, at, um, at my grandfather at, at the time and we would get together for Christmas or, or, you know, Thanksgiving as, as people celebrate. And he was such like the patriarch of the family he gets to sit there at the head of the table and sort of look at his, not only his own children, which are like my, my mother and, and aunts and uncles. And then, and then, my, you know, my father and then all of the grandchildren and great grandchildren and, and him and my grandmother who, you know, at the time, you know, they, they would have been married 50 plus years. They, they ended up being married for 60 years and just sort of, I thought that that would make a really beautiful country song. I thought that like, there's gotta be a story in this that, you know, that's this moving because what a beautiful life uh, to build, to really build a life in a very traditional sense together. And so as uh, you know, at the time as a young father and husband sort of going like, boy, if you do it right, that's how you end up, you know, if you do it right. It's not so easy in this yeah. modern world that we live in and everything that can be thrown at you in every different direction. But if you, if you do it right and if you're lucky enough, um, you, you know, you, and blessed enough, if and you follow that path, you might, you might end up, you know, there where he did and, and sort of hang your hat on a life well lived. I've, and I thought that it would make for a good song. It turns out um, 
man, it ended up having a much wider reach of, uh, of an audience than I ever imagined because at some point it wasn't like, it, it was not, it was much more than specifically like my grandfather. It became like everybody's. Ready. Yes. Or father. Yes. Or father or just father or just a stepfather or a friend or, or somebody that, you know, in the community, really, it's like, didn't matter. Like, you know, my grandpa's name uh, was Harvey, but it didn't like, it was people saw them. Maybe they saw a bit of themselves in it too, you know? Yeah. Um, and man, I tell you what, um, one of the most powerful things like it, you know, especially around that time, um, where it, it was winning awards and stuff and it was, you know, still really, and even 10 years later, there's now we're 10 years after that song came out, but people would come up to me. I had this one example where this guy came up to me after a show and I could get like misty eyed talking about it right now, but like he came up after a show and said, like, I hadn't spoken to my father in 20 years. Uh, and I heard the song and, um, we reconciled and laid our different side and here he is you know with me came to the, i brought him to the show with me and i'm just like oh man i got goosebumps when you just I, said I, that yeah something you didn't you never expected you know to, to happen but it would just really hit you and it was a beautiful moment yeah you know and for myself again i know various individuals uh he's in his late 70s he was a fireman here in calgary uh and He's got, you know, he pays by cash. He, he's, he's that guy that knows everyone in the community because he walks yeah. every day and he used to walk to yeah. work and never left. And, I, and it's funny, but and it's, it's sort of ironic because yeah. I never like with no, cash. No, no. <laughs> I'll lose it. I'll, I'll lose the, you know, and I'll, I'll keep track of it. But I think that the point of that, of that line pays cash for everything is that he accounted for every dollar. Like he didn't, he didn't spend his money reckless. You know, that's what that line means. And it's like, it's just sort of about like these, these sort of inherent oh, yeah. values. Well, I mean, you know this, Jason, is that, you know, th that era, they would keep their stuff forever and they would take care of things. Oh, yeah. They'd save soup. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's, well, it's, times have changed. It is. It, times, times have changed. I think that like, especially grand, like my I'm not sure how old you are, but like my grandparents' generation, like they were probably the last generation to really know what hard times feel like, yeah. like real hard times, like mm -hmm. come, you know, you know, World War II times, rationing, oh, yes. yeah. you, you know, uh, and then, and then, you know, people didn't hand out like credit like they did. Like you had to, you know, you, there wasn't bank loans and, and things like and car loans. Like you really did have to, save up and buy it or, or, or know somebody that local that would lend some money and, you know, to help build, you know, so you can get a house built and things. And, like and, that. and that was the thing. They would never put things on credit. If they didn't have the money, they would not buy it. They would save up and yeah. pay cash for it or like literally. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, and because that, you know, it was the, it was the rainy day. It was the rainy day thing. Like they, you know, they just always thought that, you know, this is okay. Things are good now, but they might not be in some time in the near future. So we need to be prepared for that. And, um, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of lessons in that. We yeah. think we enjoy so much luxury and comfort. Mm -hmm. and we, you know, you think that the food will always be on the shelves at the grocery store and the gas will always be in the pump yeah. and it's like man i talked to a farmer friend uh, recently 
um, who said that it's only like three to six months um, between like what the, what the farms have, you know, between like growing and, and then the grocery shelves. Like if something happened, you know, that, that really tilted that three to six month gap, you, you could be out of food. Like it's, it's not like, it's just always there. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It's getting tough for the, for the farmers. I mean, we have lots of friends here in Alberta that are farmers and, you know, yeah. there's more pressure on them now than ever. Right. So is it kind of just, well, I was, I was telling, this is what we discussed around the Thanksgiving dinner table last night. I literally just had this conversation with my kids. The most important job on the planet is our farmers. Um, if we, you know, if we don't eat, we don't do anything else. And we, always sort of expect that it's always there. And I think that that's really the heart of, of Thanksgiving was like to celebrate and be thankful for the harvest and, and to be thankful that you got a meal on the table and that there is food on the shelves at the grocery store. Oh yeah. And there's, and there's beer in the fridge as well because of them. There's yeah, that's right. <laughs> Without the wheat and stuff, we don't got no beers. <laughs> so that video, um, did Harvey marry his sweet Marilyn? Yeah, yeah. And, um, and, and they, they're, you know, a couple from, from the Ottawa Valley from Pembroke and, and just, you know, married young and, and stayed together forever and, and lived right there in that little town, never moved away, just right there and built a, built a life and aunts and uncles and everybody still lives there. But that was at a, at a time where you could do that. There was lots of jobs in that town there was a it's a lumber town oh, yes. um, okay. a lumber town and a and uh um you know just kind of a blue collar town there's lots of jobs but mm-hmm. they like you know like a song the the railroad tracks got pulled out and um and i forget which which rail line company it was like it, it might have been like Canadian Pacific CP rail or something like that. But, it, but they, they, they ended up pulling the train tracks out of most of those small towns and which just killed the, 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 was the lifeline to, to send product in and out of the town. And then, and so, you know, then companies set up along the 401, you know, Belleville, right. Oshawa, you know, that, that whole way, but everything, um, sort of Northeast of that, you know, all of that, that whole, Highway 17, Ottawa Valley area, whatever. A lot of the, those old companies went away and people had to move away um, to get, get work. In that video, is that your grandparents? Yeah, yeah, it is. So the, uh, that's grandma and grandpa in that video. Oh my goodness. Yeah, and, and the rest of my family too. Like my, my dad is just over my shoulder playing uh, acoustic guitar. Oh. I got uncles in the video, cousins. Sadly, <laughs> wife and kids in the video they uh we were on tour that year uh up in canada when we shot that music video and my wife was very pregnant uh, at the time with with one of our kids um probably our daughter sarah and and so we just couldn't uh couldn't get them all there uh to the location to, to shoot yeah. that but that's but that's the house that i celebrated like many christmases and thanksgivings in and oh. stuff Wow. So it's everything, you know, that will always be burned in memory and forever there archived. Yeah. yeah it's, it's become a real family treasure. And, and, you know, sadly my, my grandma, my, her health is fading right, right now. Uh, she's 86. Yeah. And, um, you, you know, we're just, um, we're just keeping her in our, in our thoughts and in our prayers. Um, you know, it's, uh, we, we, uh, we lost our grandpa, uh, about five or six years ago. And, um, 
you know, that's the circle of life. Yeah. yeah. Did you get to see the video? Did your grandma get to see the video? Oh, gosh, yes. Yeah, yes. okay, good. Uh, so proud of that. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, and just the fact that it went all, like, all over the world. And to even to where there was a, a Irish, a young Irish singer from, like, from Ireland that recreated, re- he recorded the song and recreated the video featuring, like, his... <laughs> And his family in Ireland, and I got all these calls, including you know, my, my grandma. And they thought that somebody stole my song, and, and they're like, you know, <laughs> which is I mean, kind of true, but it, or at least appropriated it. But I, I, you know, there's no, it's not like there's I, there's no money in, in that for me. But that's fine. I was actually just really uh, touched that somebody on the other side of the world uh, thought that much about my song that it meant something to their family that they went that far to, you know, make it part of their story too. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, like, it's not all, it's not just only about, you know, like, uh, you know, the making the the monetary royalties or whatever. It's just the the reach of, of something creative is a beautiful thing. You know, in that video, I mean, that song always just plays my head. Like I, I pretty much know your lyrics to that song. So, you know, they would go to save some time for the Lord or the, they help build a Lutheran church. Yeah. Them in the kitchen and grandpa helping grandma, you know, there's something about that life that we all deep down want to strive for. I think there's something in that beauty of simplicity, isn't there? Yeah. And- well, I, I'm, I'm really into, um, I, I've in the past bunch of years, I've gotten really like, just kind of into some, I don't know, uh, what would you what would you say um, um, hobby psychology and philosophy and you know stuff like that? Jordan Peterson, great Canadian author and psychologist and podcaster and stuff. Isn't he great, by the way? Fantastic! Like really, really, really great. You know, um, I've read his book and and watched hours and hours of, of podcasts and interviews and stuff. And it's really, I think that the interesting thing with my song that I'll make them like that anymore. And that story, it's really, it's, it's ultimately, it's an archetype uh, of, of, a, of a character and a, and a model like life. And it's really a best case. It's really a best case scenario. Yeah. Like it really doesn't get any better than that. Like even what I love one thing, you know, Peterson was talking about, like, even if you're a Hollywood celebrity with like millions and millions of dollars and cars and houses and yachts and through the lens of Instagram or something like that, it looks like the ideal life. But like, if you're twice divorced and half your kids don't talk to you and your friends are super superficial, um, then it really does mean nothing. Like you don't have a better life than, you know, a small town man who has a job that he's good at competent at people know where to go to get, you know, their breaks done or their plumbing yes, or their done. And he comes home, you know, and, and his wife has, he has, she works too, but the point is they come home and they have a real authentic love and, and family love and, and when a healthy thing with their, with their children. And uh, that's like, it, it, as far as life goes, I mean, it doesn't get better. Like that's literally, that's, that is the high, that is the top of the mountain. Yeah. You know, it's always easier to say or judge what that person is doing. So Peterson once said, oh, you might see this guy in California driving his Porsche and you might think, you know, quote unquote, what a lucky bastard that guy is to have that and all those things. But you don't know what that guy's going through in his head that maybe he's driving that fast because he wants to wrap himself around a pole. 
because it's done with life, right? You don't know what people are going through. Right, right. I, and I love that he put together, like, you know, we get wrapped up, especially in this industry, uh, you know, in, in the music industry and stuff, because you're creating, you know, you, you create, you're being creative and you're, you're creating this, uh, you know, this life, you know, through songs and, and everything else. And you really try to align it. You know, I have tried to align it authentically and stuff, but, um, but, you know, I think that uh, in this, in a celebrity culture world, I mean, especially Instagram and, and everything. I mean, I did, I fantasize, you know, living in my small town thinking that like out there somewhere was the, was the dream was that was the better life. And, and part of that song where that came from, you know, when I was 30 was like, Oh, it was never out there somewhere. Anywhere in here. Yes. And it was all of the, it was all of the stuff. I mean, it sounds cliche, but it was all of the things that matter most. It wasn't the, it wasn't having finally having a number one song or it wasn't finally getting, you know, to this, this, this as on the side of a career. It doesn't mean that you like don't try to achieve anything. Like that's not that, but like those things are fleeting. That's, and that, that's the, ultimately the message I'm always getting from Jordan Peterson is those, those things are the fleeting things and people need to sort of anchor their lives yeah. to, matters to really what sustains and you know you know building building your house on the rock instead of the sand uh, you know yeah before we get going when we look at um music today and as an artist today oftentimes we'll hear things about whiskey or beer or trucks how can you stay unique without another artist in such a competitive landscape thinking that you know hey that's actually my version of a song oh well, I, I think, uh, or how you know does what? it work? Yeah. Well, I think that, um, I think it's one of, part of that doesn't need to be overthought too much. And oh, I'm yeah. I, an overthinker, mm-hmm. but I, I, one of the guys that I really have, I've long admired is Dirk Bentley. I, I really yeah. like his records. I like his songs and singing everything for, for many years. And I heard him on an interview with people talking about, you know, quote unquote, bro country singing about like beer and trucks and, yeah parties and stuff and he was just like well you let me know buddy when when kids stop you know driving around in trucks chasing girls drinking beer you know Boom. <laughs> stop writing about it but it's like with every generation it's just like that's always going to be a constant and it and it really has been you can go back to you know uh, alabama listen yeah. to the dixieland delight uh, it's just like uh yeah you know it's a it's a song about get you know driving around with your girl oh, out yeah. Alan Jackson, Chattahoochee about picking up your girl. Classic. And we're, it's always, we're in a vehicle, we're hanging out, we're going out to the country. Oh, yeah. And so you find different ways to tell that story. I'm amazed, amazed. It never ceases to amaze me how many times we can tell that story, just a little bit different. But you know what? We all have a story of it. That's the thing, right? So yeah. It's great. What made you move to Nashville over just staying in your hometown or moving to Toronto or Alberta, what made you say Nashville is a good place to go? And anybody that's aspiring to be an artist uh, here in Canada, what would you, what kind of advice would you give them? Well, it's different. I will say it's different today than whenever I was, uh, you know, aspiring to get into the industry. Um, There's much more going on in Canada. 
Um, there's the, the tools. Like I remember hanging out in studios talking to somebody saying like, Oh, one day we'll just be able to send files of, you know, vocals and instrumentation yeah. across internet but it was too slow back then like i'm only 42 and i feel like a dinosaur like this this has not been technology has not been around that long like no, it's moving fast so yeah yeah absolutely and, and and changing all the time so like physically you had to be in a, in a national recording studio if, if i wanted to work with some of my heroes or or at least walk the same streets that they did up and down music row and go in some of the same studios as as a lot of my heroes all came out of everybody, you know, when, it, whether I was talking about Vince Gill or whatever, like he came from yes. Nashville and so did Garth Brooks. And so I came from Canada to Nashville and Alan Jackson came from Georgia to Nashville. Gotcha. And yeah. Everybody came here, all of the songwriters and stuff. This seems to, you know, I grew up watching the Opry and oh. he, just early on, it was like in my head that like, this was the place the country music gets made. And I always wanted to be a part of the scene here. That is not to say there's not, like a ton of amazing, incredible musicians and songwriters and everything in Canada. There, there are, but we're spread out all over the place. It's for, you know, there's no really central hub, you know, of country music in, in Canada, I would say. I mean, from, from east to west, everything between, there's little pockets here and there, but, but even they come, they do trips to Nashville. And I'll, so I'll get to write and, and collaborate with people from... The Maritimes, everything, people come here, come to me, which is really convenient. Um, aside from that, you know, I just always like being a part of the community and something to do like every day. Um, but I miss my family and, and you know, my, my parents and stuff, my, my friends. Like we, we get to see each other a few times a year. Yeah. Um, but I don't know what I would do on a day-to-day basis in my in Pembroke, Ontario. Like I would literally, I don't know what I would do every day. Probably work <laughs> all mill. there wouldn't be a a, a community like there is here have you gone back to your hometown to see just the vibe and what it's like from now where you are today and where you came from oh yeah like i I go back a couple times and i love it it's it's funny how how a lot of things appear much smaller than they were when you were whether the halls of your high school or or the local hockey arena or whatever i remember we i do this charity golf event in pembroke once a year uh, we're we're on so next year will be our ninth annual and um, and and when it when we first got it going somebody suggested well let's host it you know at the Pembroke Memorial Center which is the where the Pembroke Lumber Kings hockey team plays um, and and it's I was like oh gosh no I don't want anything that big uh-huh. and I, when I when I showed back up and they're like oh, I think it'll work out it's great so I agreed to do it there host it there and have our, our tables all set up and the stage and everything. And it was beautifully decorated and walking in expecting it to be huge and not that big. Cause I was a kid when I was there last. Wow. What is something that you could tell the next generation? Some of the lessons learned. Oh, um, I would say it's so important to, um, get in touch with who you are authentically uh, is, is the number one thing um, is when you're embarking on, like if you're going to embark on a artist career or whatever, like people, uh, one of the th- comments I'll, I'll hear from people is, you know, whether it's, a, if it's a girl, often it'll be like, I want to do a Miranda Lambert sort of song. Right. Well, 
That only works if you're a Miranda Lambert personality. Like she, you, her, she is su such a badass. Like her, she really is. I mean, she's, she's a tough Texas girl and that comes across in her music. And if, if, if I get a, a really sort of timid vibe, I mean, I, maybe you, maybe you have a little tough Texan <laughs> that, that you want to pull out. Maybe that's what you're, what you're attracted to from Miranda's music, but it's like, you really have to kind of dive into that and make sure that that's there or nobody's going to believe it. Um, you know, and so, and, and same thing, like from, from like, from guys or, or whatever, it's just like, you know, people point to like other people they want to be like, and I've done it. I've done it too. My, I, my heroes are, like I said, guys like Vince Gill and stuff like that. And then you got to figure out what the authenticity, like why you're attracted to something, you know, is it the, the melodies, is it the, just the overall like vibe of the music. I was always attracted to guys that play guitar. Um, and so, but whatever it is, it's like you, uh, you know, you want to make sure that it's, it's authentic. I heard this on a great podcast with Chris Stapleton and Joe Rogan. And, and cause, cause we've all seen this happen where if, you know, what happens if you have a, a, a hit song that's totally not who you are and it's now you got to go and sing it for a long time and then it's like it's not even who you are so it's like kind of like be careful what you wish for yeah do you ever get nervous though because you've had i mean over 20 hit songs do you ever get nervous to put out the next one and say i don't know i'm scared to put it out what if people don't like it what if 20 is all i got in me uh well yeah i mean a little bit in the sense that um i, I heard another guy that i really like john mayer say that nobody really dreams past their third record and I was like, oh, God, that's good. That's so good. Because your whole life, I mean, like thinking up, dreaming up that first record and oh, it's going to be this. And you have that energy rolling into your second one. Third, a lot, a lot of times, like people like disappoint with their third. <laughs> or, you know, people maybe just only hit their stride in their, in their third. But, but, you know, once you've done, the, especially in country music, where we're, we're a little more boxed in thematically, like especially male artists, you know, people complain about, you know, female, you know, females complain about, you know, their, their, their complaints and some of them are, are valid, but it's just like, I actually prefer writing with females a lot because you get to say a whole lot more. I mean, sassy and in the case of the Dixie chicks or the chicks now ca called, like they get to kill off a guy yes. and Earl die. Um, and, um, you know, you get to do all these things like guys don't get to write those kind of songs. Usually it's like, you know, it's a party, it's love. It's like, it's a good time. It's getting out of town. It's whatever. It's song about home. And <laughs> we all do the same sort of things, but like you can, you're seeing a little boxed in, um, the, you know, I admire like this is, I got into this John Mayer music years ago. It seemed like write about anything, like just stream of consciousness writing. Some of the times I don't even know what what it means, um, but it just sounds good. But um, if that makes if, <laughs> if that makes any sense totally. at all, have you thought about NFTs before in the art in that scene? Is that being a thing that people talk about now, like it, NFTs? I don't. I need to learn more about that. Yeah, because people are talking about that a lot, and um, um, that's something I need to like put on the. I got to write it down right now. Because yeah. <laughs> I went to a, a conference in Texas and man, there's like these companies just doing really cool things where, um, you know, some people can't afford to go to shows because, you know, the scalpers are raising the prices and, and the artist is like, well, 
what the hell? The artist is not making the money from that show. So it's pretty cool to see. It's like, okay, if you buy this ticket directly from the artist, um, you get a little souvenir with them, maybe like a digital something that you can sh- show on social media or a little something. Yeah, really cool. Yeah, it's it's definitely something that's been on the radar because yeah. we're talking about it. And I definitely want to get in on that. Like, you know, I think it's still an unknown space. Yeah, yeah. I remember talking to a friend years ago and telling him like, like literally when I first moved to Nashville, so like 2006, and it was like, dude, you got to get a Facebook page. You know, everybody's getting, getting this Facebook page and they're like, they're like, I already have a MySpace. I don't need Facebook. Yes. <laughs> like slow to the party on, on things. It's like, okay, well, you know, how's that MySpace? Yeah, you never know. Right. Yeah. Have you, um, where do we see you in the next five years, Jason, what do you hope for? Man, I, I, I really have been thinking about that a lot lately. And, and that was, uh, had a lot to do with the recording of this album, Diamonds in the Desert. Um, and, and this sort of really authentic, you know, music that's, um, it really sounds like the kind of music that I like to listen to. Um, so, I, um, this is, this has been a, an anchor uh, record to recenter myself in terms of a musical style and direction and where I want to continue to go. Um, and then from there, I hope that, uh, you know, that there's a, that there's a stage that I can be on playing five, 10, 15, 20 years from now. I want my hair to turn gray, like Willie Nelson and, and all of it. Making records and playing somewhere, and maybe the stages get smaller, maybe they get bigger. I don't know, but it's just like creating the music. And, and nowadays, more than ever, there's so many avenues to get music out. Like it used to be only only the radio and only CDs on store shelves. That was it. And now there's so much more. And there and so just to reach you know reach people, if there's an audience out there that, that is into what I'm doing, uh, I'd love to come out on the road and come to your town and play it for you. Even if they're in Ireland, right? Especially if they're in Ireland. That's, <laughs> that's, that's definitely five years, less than five years. From now. Yeah. I've never been across the pond and I really, really want to get over there and yeah. see that part of the world and maybe play some music too. For sure. Well, thanks for your time today, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. Really enjoy your podcast. Thank and uh, thanks very much. Yeah. Keep for up sure. the great.